Hit it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. You're listening to Pod Me If You Can. This is Pod Me If You Can. Movie reviews by David and Lloyd. An Australian podcast on your favorite movies. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Welcome to Pod Me If You Can. I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. Today's film is Peter Bogdanovich's She's Funny That Way, starring Owen Wilson, Jennifer Aniston, and Imogen Poots. This is Isabella Patterson. You look familiar. She's not right. Why not? What are you talking about? Oh, gosh. Arnold, don't you think we should do the intimate scene with me? No. No. You changed my life. Oh, dear God, no. You changed my life. You changed my life. You Weasley, son of a... Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. I got into an argument with my husband. Could you please put me down? All right, lady, I'll put you down. You're an idiot. Let's get lost in the stars tonight. We're in a cold red. We have a tornado coming up the elevator. Jesus, that's the fastest elevator I've ever seen. Just a heads up, guys, uh, we're going to have spoilers throughout this podcast. We've seen the film. Hopefully you have too if you've gotten to this point. We always watch these movies with spoilers in mind. So, uh, Lloyd, you really wanted to do this film. Uh, Tell me what your thought process there was. Well, it's great just to see Peter Bogdanovich helming like a a much bigger film. He's been doing a lot of straight-to-TV movies, and he's been sort of like acting... Um, a fair bit but really minor roles like he was in Sopranos and things like that Um, you know and I've always followed Peter Bogdanovich I'm a huge fan he's a grandmaster of cinema he started out as a stage actor and director and then moved on to be a film critic and then he befriended some of the greatest filmmakers in the world including Orson Welles, Howard Hawks, Fritz Lang, Alfred Hitchcock and John Ford he even went to actual film sets to see how those old masters work and in some cases, he even played a role in their movies, such as the still unreleased Orson Welles' The Other Side of the Wind. Uh, he got his start in the same era as Martin Scorsese, Francis Ford Coppola, and James Cameron, and that was through Roger Corman. You know, they all started out as assistants. For his film in particular, was Wild Angels, and then he got his break with Target, starring Boris Karloff. I think that was in the late 60s. Now, despite several really good movies... Bogdanovich hit his peak in the early 70s with The Last Picture Show starring Jeff Bridges and Sybil Shepard also with um, Ryan O'Neill um, and Barbara Streisand I think uh, in What's Up Doc um, but he's never been as big as his contemporary, contemporaries such as Scorsese Coppola or Cameron and I think Bogdanovich probably knows more about filmmaking than all of those guys put together I mean the guy learnt from Orson Welles and John Ford for crying out loud like I'm talking working side by side with them and I think the biggest reason why Bogdanovich hasn't been a popular artist is because his interests just aren't popular maybe he's too sophisticated or highbrow or maybe he's just so old-fashioned just sonic um despite his high level of craftsmanship uh, in his films he just hasn't got a wide audience appeal and it's eerily following like his mentor orson wells who never really got a wide audience um during his um career like it's only later after death people recognize oh you know like they, they look at his other films other than citizen kane of course whenever i sit down to watch a bogdanovich movie I'm always looking out for his hand, whether it be through the camera work, 
the staging, choreography, editing, but his style is so invisible. Like, I just never see it. Like, for example, when you sit down to watch an Orson Welles movie or a Scorsese movie or a Tarantino movie, they're always letting you know that they're, that you're watching one of their movies. Like, it's either a specific camera movement or editing or staging. Like, maybe the transitions in a Scorsese movie with the iris, you know, it comes in and out sometimes. Ta- um, Tarantino movies with its elaborate um, uh, chapter breaks and that just his... Um, jagged style of storytelling Orson Welles is with his camera movements but Bogdanovich like Sidney Lumet he just they they just disappear like it's like I was going to ask you about that yeah like you just don't notice their style I was going to ask just because I'm not a Peter Bogdanovich fan I'm coming at this from another angle I've barely seen anything of his uh and this of course is maybe the only one of his we will cover on this podcast he's he's getting up there in age yeah he's getting up there with age i don't see him helming another big major project like it says on his imdb he's working on something like another bigger project but uh, whether it comes into fruition and gets a wide release i don't know yeah i mean look i think certain amount of commercial success leads to wide releases and i'm not sure that she's funny that way was uh, well received but i was going to ask if he has any director's trademarks because i was watching it and getting a little bit of a woody allen vibe oh that that that's a really interesting uh point but no like woody Al- allen likes to stay on those long shots and rely heavily on dialogue and that that woody allen i guess dialogue that really drives it <laughs> his style is um savagely classical bogdanovich's style he stays on one long take as long as possible and will only cut or cut to close-ups to emphasize something so when the camera moves or when there is a cut um he wants you to pay attention like it's the old adage from the golden age of movie making i'm, I'm talking the silent era to like the maybe uh, late 50s early 60s don't waste your close-ups so only use close-ups to emphasize key dramatic moments and his edits are so invisible you just don't notice them with she's funny that way it's is made from one of bogdanovich's favorite genres i don't know if you're too familiar with it are the screwball comedies films such as bringing up baby or his girl friday i don't know if kind you've of seen a farce farcical yeah yeah well i'll get to a bit of farce as well like uh, the particularly the french style but it's a genre i have very little knowledge about like tarantino is a huge buff about them he's always wanted to make a screwball comedy like his girl friday and i think bringing up babies actually one of tarantino's favorite films and who of which appears in this movie (laughs) um but my mindset is just not in the same frequency as those screwball comedies like Catherine Hepburn in Bringing Up Baby for instance to me is insane I would have gotten the hell away from her right away if a girl like that came up to me and was interested in me I'd just be like my gosh this girl is crazy um so there's there is like this fantasy logic that you have to accept in your mind and the biggest example of that and she's funny that way is the Italian restaurant sequence where all the cast sort of collides together it wasn't yeah only one restaurant in the entire city that has Italian <laughs> It wasn't food. until that moment where I went, oh, okay, I have to surrender a lot of logic now. You know, it took me that long to realize, like, what kind of film I'm into. Like, it's it's farce. And, like, as you said, um, it, it follows the rules of the French playwright Georges Feydeau, um, who's the master of farce. He wrote all, like, uh, French plays back in the day and the biggest rule he always said is the one thing that must never happen is the thing that must happen so if you create a situation where a person must not go into a room then of course that person has to go in that in that room and that happens all throughout she's funny that way with the escorts hiding 
in the bathrooms and then people walking in just go, ah, you know. Um, what I think what will polarise people, um, audiences with this movie is the gender politics. Is this movie's mindset too old-fashioned to a point where it doesn't work to modern audiences? How does the average person feel about prostitutes? The character Owen Wilson plays, Arnold, is presented to us as a really friendly guy. I think he's the main character of the story, but does the average viewer accept him? He sleeps with prostitutes, he's cheating on his wife, his family, which we don't see much of, his kids. Like, we hear them on the phone. (laughs) No, that's it. And we are introduced to his wife, who is a collaborator and also isn't so faithful. So there's a lot of moral dilemmas in this film. Oh, she, I, th- I think she's faithful, um, the wife. Oh, well, I thought that she had had an affair previously with Risa Farn's no, character. Well, I got from it that he tried really hard. Like, they're very friendly and flirty, and he tried really hard, but she refused him because she was married or loved um, Owen Wilson's character, Derek. Oh, I think that's his actual pseudonym he used at the hotel, excuse me, Arnold, sorry. Um, but uh, because that never um, happened, he's been obsessed with her. Risa Farns' character's been obsessed with her ever since. That's what I got. I could be wrong. Uh, I kind of had... And I'm, I could also be wrong. Uh, this is interesting. Uh, I had thought that they'd had an affair previously that she had chosen Arnold uh, instead. Like Maybe, maybe you're right. Him. Maybe you're right, yeah. But either way, I thought that they had a sexual history, yeah, based on the fact that she could also kind of go back to him and, uh, you know, restart what they had had. It was interesting, the original title being Squirrels to the Nuts. <laughs> that's, that's a surprise. Yeah, that's from the Lubitsch uh, movie uh, Clooney Brown, uh, who's one of the great um, German directors who came over from Nazi Germany into um, America and was very, very successful making those comedies. What did you think of the Squirrel to the Nuts line? Well, I didn't realise it was going to be... I, di- I wasn't familiar with it. I didn't realise it was going to be something that I had to latch on to. I thought it was just something he was saying the first couple of times. And then as every girl approaches him and, <laughs> oh, squirrels and repeats to the nuts. <laughs> it, it became a running joke. And one of the funnier jokes of the film. I had read that uh, Bogdanovich wrote this around the year 2000 so a massive kind of pre-production uh, if you will yeah john ritter it was written for john ritter but then he died um suddenly of a heart attack which was really sad and he shelved it and it wasn't until he met owen wilson but i think it's honestly he just had a couple of successes previously that momentum started to build and he's like hey i've i've got a script ready to go you know but he talks up owen wilson a lot it's funny i always hear negative things about owen wilson that he plays the same guy in like every movie but bogdanovich and i gotta respect his opinion despite you know he could just be advertising for the movie but he says owen wilson's actually a really good actor and he it reminds him of like the old style of acting like where you get to know that sort of cary grant like s character um but uh, i don't know I, i just don't see it i see the criticism like owen wilson plays that character in every movie I kind of side with Owen Wilson playing the same character in every movie. But I like I, him, though. I do like him. <laughs> yeah, he's a likeable guy, absolutely. Um, you know, you see him opposite Ben Stiller in upcoming uh, Zoolander 2 and, you know, Wedding Crashes, things like that. And he's but worked the, with Woody Allen as well. Like, it's like he's really right. trying to find these... Like, I think he is a movie fan, and he really respected Peter Bogdanovich on the Blu-rays I've got, like those interviews about the making of and he goes oh, i really respect peter bogdanovich and it was a real honor to work with him so he just sounds like a movie fan as well like he's really going out of his way to work in these uh, these projects which is really good to see he's actually done more action films than i you know would would have thought he had, had done but 
they haven't been so well received, I suppose. So um, you mentioned John Ritter was the original lead for this, but passed away. His son, Jason Ritter, is actually currently cast in his next movie. Oh, cool. So there will be some nice symmetry for uh, Bogdanovich there. How, how good is Jennifer Aniston? Like, I think she's improved so much. Like, if you guys go check out our YouTube channel, I did a review on Leprechaun, which I think is a first movie from memory, and I tear it to pieces in that review. I'm just like, it's the worst acting I've ever seen. But um, she is really good, Jennifer Aniston. Uh, I think she handled the dialogue really well. There was great energy to her. She was mean, and she looks fantastic. I think she She's a complete package. She's definitely one of the more memorable characters here, and playing against type, we're so used to seeing her as the nice girl in a romantic She actually comedy. asked for that role. She was offered the wife's role, um, but she goes, oh, can I play the psych- psychiatrist? She's so smart. She saw right away, oh, no, no, I, I want something interesting. <laughs> That's the one, yeah. And interestingly, the, the woman that plays uh, Owen Wilson's wife in this, uh, she actually plays a really maniacal bitch character in Parks and Recreation, so... Catherine Hahn. Yeah, yeah, so flipping them that way, you sort of get the, uh, you know, the range from both of them. But um, I feel like Jennifer Aniston's just more comfortable in her skin now, and uh, she's done a few more serious roles in the last few years, and I'm actually looking forward to seeing Cake, which she's, uh, she's in... Um, that uh, was getting some Oscar buzz, but never eventually. I always was so. critical of her. I just thought she was a pretty face, but after this film, I'm, I'm a fan. Like, I think she's going to mature better and, and better. She's just... I, I, I should have seen this a, a long time ago. Like, she's had such a longevity with her career from Friends all the way till now, and she's still starring in these big movies. And I just never gave her that respect, you know? I'm, I'm, I feel really bad for... For, uh, for having that attitude and it, it taken this long but uh, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan I'm, I'm looking forward to a next project I think people evolve you know and I'm comfortable admitting she's she's grown as an actress I think she probably feels she's grown as an actress I think she started on um, some sketch TV shows and stuff you know just doing comedy so you know it's hard to imagine I'm sure she's done a lot of It's like the Matthew McConaughey thing. They just, um, you know, start out as that role, but then they become... Great example, yeah. Yeah, they fall in love with... I think Matthew McConaughey seriously went, I really like movies and I love the craft, and just knuckled down and just became this monster afterwards. Of course, he could have done a deal with the devil to become a great actor, but... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think there is a good heart to this movie, and personally, I think it would have been a, a really good idea to set it in Christmas, and this would have been one of the great Christmas movies it just felt like it had a nice heart but again that depends on the gender politics you bring towards this film because there are some old-fashioned sensibilities with this movie um, which people might not find as funny as say Bogdanovich uh, how Bogdanovich finds it funny yeah he must have an interesting moral compass I I kind of imagine because um, apparently while writing the script he was inspired by an incident in Singapore uh, during the time he was filming, you read Saint about Ryan. that in 1978. Sure, <laughs> yeah, I've I've seen that movie. Uh, Bogdanovich actually got that idea when he was filming Saint Jack, uh, where they employed actual prostitutes in the movie. Uh, the movie was set and so- set and made in Singapore, and they paid um, the, some of the um, escorts that that acted in the film enough money that they could quit the business and do something else. And he was inspired from that moment. No, so he didn't pay them um, to you know for a, sexual transaction or anything like that he paid them to play a part in the movie and he gave them enough money that they were able to quit some of them were able to quit the the actual escorting business well this is it i mean 
Owen Wilson's not some good Samaritan who's just saving prostitutes like a pretty woman or something like that. Uh, I, he, just, I think, like Bogdanovich, he worships women. Uh, he loves to sleep with these. Owen Wilson's character loves to sleep with these beautiful escorts, wine and dine them, and then give them this money to follow their dream. It's it's a really big high for him. And at the end of the film, although he's lost his marriage uh, with Delta Simmons, who's played by Catherine Hahn, um, he is also he's. We hear that he's donating a lot of money to women charities, and I, and I think that that's the sensibility of Bogdanovich as well. I thought it was interesting watching it. I didn't know that story beforehand. I was thinking, why is he giving them $30,000? You know, why not $10,000? And where is he getting all these $30,000? It probably started out as $10,000. Then as the economy in America kept flailing, he had to keep adding zeros to that number. (laughs) Yeah. And um, I was thinking like, oh, he must have a different account than his wife. (laughs) first of all and he must be loaded (laughs) yeah how loaded is he that he's just giving away all these thirty thousand dollar checks it's ridiculous and i mean i know we're watching a fast but i had a little bit of problem with the logic here and there they had this really long sequence actually getting imogen poots to the hotel with her uh with him sorry so like it took a very long time phone calls back and forth he's talking to his wife and then we sort of we get this, you know, really long take, for example, of him organising Glow. Uh, Going on the phone back and forth, yeah. That must have been very challenging um, for Owen Wilson. Yeah, and then uh, we skip the entire dinner where the characters get to know each other. <laughs> yeah. And with a quick line of him saying, that was not mild, you know. <laughs> and so the, the pacing was really confusing for me and I was having real trouble getting into it because if I'm watching a movie where I want let's say the call girl to fall in love with the gentleman caller uh that's more of a pretty woman and there are these scenes where richard Gere and julia roberts you know emotionally connect where he gets to know her and she gets to know him and it's not necessarily sexual there's more you know going on and in this you skip those scenes like that dinner would have been very telling of the kind of relationship they would have had so the pacing for me was off that kind of lasted the whole movie. There were parts where I was like, it was it was tough to get into, I suppose. Yeah, like uh, the judge um, character, like there's so many strange characters in this, like the judge, how he's listening in, uh, like he goes into the bathroom to, uh, to book an appointment with um, Glow and he's turning, in or, or turning on all the taps and everything like that. And we see one shot of his wife listening in and that's the rest we see of, I guess he, as a judge, he's just got a lot of free time to run around the city and chasing Glow and hire a private detective <laughs> to follow her around. Yeah, that was interesting, wasn't it? And then, of course, the private detective is the father of <laughs> Will Forte's character. Everybody knows everyone. Everybody works with everybody. Everybody uh, goes to the same Italian place. And it's, stay in um, the same um, hotel. Yeah, opposite each other as well. That is There's the no fastest other... elevator I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I love um, Risa Farns' character. He's a Welsh actor. And I love it how they have that blow up in the hotel um, hallway. And he goes, listen, mate, you don't want to fight me. I trained in the streets of London. <laughs> and then he goes, you gave a 30,000 US dollars. You must be good. <laughs> and then he's like, he goes, I'm tired now. Tired sleep, you know, just to end the confrontation. <laughs> Her character, uh, Glow Stick or Glow... She's a muse, for those who haven't seen it. She's inspiring people, which conjured up uh, Kate Hudson's character from Almost Famous. Okay, right. Or uh, Maggie Grace basically plays the same character in Californication. 
um, so that you know they don't call themselves prostitutes. They, you know, go by uh, this kind of inspirational muse kind of persona. Look, I suppose it's you know, it's a living, if you will, uh, the oldest profession in the world. Uh, but she she's an actress, really, which is kind of what she's doing, being a prostitute. She's acting, and and there's sort of an overlap there, and it makes sense. I saw the trailer for this movie. She's funny that way, and. The trailer gives away quite a lot. It shows the audition sequence where um, Imogen Poots' character just blows it up. It's in- interesting how that is a showcase for an actor who's actually a very good actor. Like David Lynch employed that twice now with, um, uh, geez, Mulholland Drive uh, with the Australian actor Naomi Watts, and then again with Inland Empire with Laura Dern, like an actor acting out a scene and they're putting in this really killer performance. Bogdanovich employs the same thing here with a script reading um, for a theatre play. Um, I just find that an interesting strategy that that's um, a, a, a lot of great directors are using that um, to tell the audience, hey, they're a very good actor. And that came across. I thought that Imogen Poots audition scene was very good. How'd you find her accent? Well, a lot of people have a problem with this accent. <laughs> the I was happy enough to go with it. I think people have a problem with it because she's English and they're used to her. Uh, exactly. It. Bogdanovich said it's uh, because he's grown up in um, New York. He said, no, that's a pretty good... Um, uh, is it Brooklyn? Jersey? Uh, I don't know. Maybe Brooklyn. Brooklyn accent. 100%. He said it's pretty good, um, but I, I don't know. It's as you say, maybe people are too used to her English accent. Yeah. Well, this is it. I mean she's an actress (laughs) she needs to be able to do accents and look i mean it wasn't as bad as some we've seen um and i was happy to go with it it just it was interesting that you know they had one character with that accent through the whole film you know that it wasn't sort of set in brooklyn oh i see yeah that's a good point yeah she kind of stood out because she was the different one i suppose Anyway, I heard um, the play that they were actually performing at the end. People wanted to make a broad off Broadway play, or maybe a Broadway play. I don't know the difference. Um, on based on the on the play in the movie, and Bogdanovich. Okay, well, they handed out condoms at the door. So what kind of play is it? <laughs> Bogdanovich was saying, "Oh, I don't think that's a good idea on the audio commentary." But I can't imagine it. Be- somebody pulling off a uh, um, a play out of the the fragments that we see in the movie. Um, every man is kind of categorized as a pig in this movie. <laughs> List them. <laughs> well, <laughs> the problem is, is that they all become very obsessed. It's very base instinct men. Uh, Owen Wilson's character, I suppose, is, um, you know, several prostitutes. Uh, everyone that comes into him in the street. Risa like, Farns eventually, like, obviously he's seeing a lot of prostitutes. He's, he's a, And he's coveting the other man's wife. Yeah, and then eventually he gets with um, Jennifer Aniston. Yep, uh, which is an interesting turn. <laughs> kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, I thought they were, Forte, they were suited for each other. <laughs> Will Forte's dad is, you know, cunningly following around, whereas the judge is, of course, obsessed with this younger woman. I think Will Forte, I can't exactly remember what he's done to be a pig, but he, I think, cheats on Jennifer Aniston to get with Imogen Poots' character. Yeah. I think that was um, justified in the sense that Jennifer Aniston wasn't a nice uh, girlfriend to him. It, like, her attitudes were just a bit too savage. But he, he does cheat. He doesn't tell her anything about Imogen Poots. Yeah. So, well, he does lie and say he's working when he goes to dinner as well. So, there's no male characters you kind of say, that's the one I relate to. <laughs> Unless your uh, moral compass is a little skewed as well. 
I just didn't know how Owen Wilson could afford that lifestyle. I mean, that just really threw me. You know, but these anyway. directors, they're earning a lot of money. You saw Quentin Tarantino <laughs> at the end. Gosh knows what kind of lifestyle he's living. Yeah, that's true. Tarantino as the mentor sort of came out of nowhere, and I feel like that's probably how people will most discover this movie. You know, they'll look at Tarantino's acting IMDb. Tarantino respects the hell out of Peter Bogdanovich. One of his favorite movies, which is probably Peter Bogdanovich's greatest movie, is um, They All Laughed. And unfortunately, something really tragic happened to a cast member in that movie. He was in a relationship with Peter Bogdanovich that caused the release of it. It should have been one of the greatest comedies of the 80s, but it got a really low release. Um, My personal probably favorite is Mask um, with Cher. Um, and Eric Stoltz. I don't know if you've seen that one, Dave. Yeah, it came out. I have not. Oh, it's really good. It's fantastic. But yeah, um, uh, it's great seeing Tarantino in here. And it, you can believe the words he's saying. Like, he's obviously a big fan of screwball comedies just from the interviews I've heard. And, and then for him to go on about um, squirrels to the nuts, that was, that was really fantastic. I was pleased that that kind of tied it up narratively, that he was able to, you know, kind of give us that information, which he was a good person to give us that information because... If Owen Wilson's character has just said, I saw it in a movie once or whatever, you know, then that would have kind of been a bit nothing. Some people have said this movie's boring as hell. Were you bored when you watched it? <laughs> to be honest, I watched it with my wife. She really enjoyed it. Whereas I the whole time was was thinking um, of characters in other films and stuff, you know, Kate Hudson in Almost Famous. I was thinking that she's a lot like uh, Cameron Diaz's character in Something About Mary that everybody is coveting her, you know, everybody meets her and suddenly falls for her. And as well, the character Heather Graham plays in Bowfinger, who's like sleeping her way to the top, but in like a weird, nice way. It's much more kind of conniving in Bowfinger, I think. Whereas in this, you know, she's just, it's happening to her. People want good things for her and those in a position to, you know, help her get further in life and acting are just like they fall for her and so then they give her things Mm -hmm. you know and that Um, she's probably really talented as well well that comes across in that one acting scene sure i had a real problem partway through this film that just made me pause it and and it was the taxi ride I, i was about to bring that up like um that was just so strange i don't know if that's based on actuality bogdanovich doesn't say that in the audio commentary i can't find anything online it just seems so strange like i can't even imagine a writer to come up with that like it's so strange. well it had no payoff if in the if at the end of the credits or something we'd seen the taxi driver going i couldn't stand those people and getting in a taxi and then the taxi driver he's in with gets out because he's complaining about them that if it was a running joke or something did you did you laugh or was it just like what i was confused, confused okay. i was more confused than the characters it, because it made me smile <laughs> it's because he abandons his taxi in the middle of the ride and gets into another taxi it's and then they just get out of the car the taxi and and they just walk away leaving it people beeping at it in the street and i don't know if maybe it's a reference to an old film or yeah exactly that's what i wanted to find out and i was really hoping bogdanovich would have um revealed a lot more of that in the audio commentary my initial thoughts were that it actually happened to somebody he knew or to himself and he just had to put that in like this actually happened sort of like a magnolia moment sort of thing but uh, i don't know it's it brought a smile to my face it's interesting that it that you actually had to pause it at that point yeah i was confused by the entire and i was thinking well, this is definitely going to pay off later in the film. 
but it didn't. And then that annoyed me about it. I mean, people have said online that they spent a long time after this film thinking about it for days, you know. But that's the thing I thought about. I was like, well, what was that scene? Should have ended up on the cutting room floor. Or oh, that should have been shortened so that we ended it in the cab, you know, with a bit of dialogue and exposition or whatever, and then the scene ended. Well, I, I liked than... it. It brought a smile to my face, but it was a, right. it was a very jarring scene. Like, it, there's nothing else in the movie that's like that. Like, even all the other farcical moments all pay off. Like, they all collide at the uh, Italian restaurant or at the concert. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. At the stage room when they're rehearsing. And we have Sybil Shepherd come in. We have the father of Glow come in and punch the judge. All of those forces collide. But that taxi driver, you know, just, just doesn't come up at all. And all the, like, room swapping, wife swapping, hotel stuff as well. It all it all makes sense. It all helps the film. But that taxi ride, I was just confused by <laughs> I was going to ask, did you, you know, notice Michael Shannon, who plays General Zod in Man of Steel, you know, is just the guy who arrests the wife? No, I didn't notice that at all. Um, Because she got done for um, uh, shoplifting. Shoplifting, (laughs) yeah. So Michael Shannon is, you know, there to arrest her and says she's dumb and stuff like that. Uh, I thought it was interesting, like, bit bit characters and bit parts and, you know... Well, yeah, Tatum O'Neill plays the waitress in the Italian restaurant helping people up when they fall um she started with bogdanovich in paper moon i think she actually got an academy award nomination for that when she was a child actress and it's great just to see bogdanovich pull in a lot of his old crew back here and i'm sure many people respect him and they'll just go yeah i'll I'll be in a bogdanovich film like he can pull favors just out of thin air i I want to just talk about the music for a, a bit um usually bogdanovich only uses source music so coming from a radio cd player or tv and it's usually always counterpoint to the scene so if it's a serious dramatic moment on the radio in the scene or the tv somewhere the music that will be playing will be a happy song so in this movie there is a a classic use of music like um where you just actually have a score and he always said by having music in movies it's like the director is imposing their own perspective on the audience and that's certainly the case here we have music that really tells us it's a comedy like that that carriage ride after that italian restaurant scene uh where arnold and glow have their first date especially it's like it's really hammering home that uh to for what the audience should feel like it's a happy moment and it feels like Bogdanovich maybe wasn't confident in the script enough and, and wanted to push it more with music like I, I don't know maybe, maybe that's just a trait of um, uh, screwball comedies to have that kind of music but I don't know um, following Bogdanovich for a long long time I found that one of the most jarring things was just hearing that score it was just like whoa whoa that ain't Bogdanovich I guess I'm gonna have to delve into Bogdanovich's work a little bit more to have an opinion you'll love it, she's funny oh they all laughed that's a movie you'll really enjoy <laughs> this is the thing about his titles that i'm getting uh she's funny that way it's his it's his it's his style it's so old-fashioned like he comes up with these titles they all laugh she's funny that way nickelodeon it's from a different era and modern audiences just aren't gonna see that like it's just like oh yeah that that looks okay i guess you know but i think it's his sensibilities that unfortunately his contemporaries like james cameron martin scorsese francis ford coppola they were all able to get with the zeitgeist of the times they were able to capture something the moment and he's never really done it since paper moon oh sorry um what's up doc with barbara streisand 
and um, uh, The Last Picture Show with Jeff Bridges uh, and Sybil Shepard. And that's been his last great hits. Like, he's always been respected, but I just think his sensibilities just aren't with the zeitgeist. Oh, except for Mask. Mask was really good with Cher. I like plays within a play, you know, where art imitates life and, and uh, you know, Birdman was one more recently that uh, was amazing. And um, with the pacing again we we cut to two months later on opening night and two months was for me that's jarring in itself i feel like it should always be three six you know there's kind of a movie language two months i was like that's a bit short 60 days later the play's opening anyway opening night they're handing out the condoms at the door like i mentioned and they cut the whole play and just the end line is there (laughs) which i was like well i would have liked to have seen a little bit of the play you know (laughs) The pacing for me didn't work there. And as that well, re- but... re- weird, surreal sort of backdrop. That's just like, wow, what kind of play was this? I remember seeing yeah. it in bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and it was, of course, two months later, the Gen- Jennifer Aniston reveal, you know, she comes in blowing the whistle at uh, Seth. <laughs> and, and she's such a, a, a bitch through the movie and, like, the most defined character in the film. You know, in that first scene when she answers the phone the exact kind of character she is and like her opinions and everything and she's very funny but you know she's with Risa Farn at the end of the movie and it's sort of nonsensical was that yeah the whole thing during the credit sequence became so crazy like I think the mother the drunk mother comes back of Jennifer Aniston and there's all these other things that happen during the credit sequence you know for me uh Imogen Poots' character says it wrapped up real nice like a movie you know and Tarantino's her mentor, which was, you know, nice for her, nice cameo, uh, surprise for me. For me, I was watching it and thinking the entire film, we're seeing her being interviewed. And then, you know, this is some kind of Entertainment Tonight interviewer, presumably, sort of finding out about her. And um, I was thinking, that's really obvious. That's not what it should be. It has to be something else. And then I thought maybe, you know, like the film The Thin Blue Line, we would have some reveal where she's in prison or something. Or doing some kind of tell-all interview as it's all failed. Uh, Or doing a book she wrote, you know, like she's touring a book about what happened to her and, you know, uh, in a kind of Heidi Fleiss or whatever it is, like a prostitution ring or whatever. Um, It was too nice of an ending for her, I suppose, and all wrapped up nice, like she said. But I was kind of reading more into it. I was like, where's the drama? You know, nothing goes wrong for her, if you will. Yeah, well, it is a... Like, how would you classify this movie, romantic comedy? I mean, I suppose. The Screwball ro- comedy. Like a, well, I, I think it's a feel-good... Screwball. Yeah. Fast I, I just think we haven't grown up with these movies or seen much of them when we're young. So, like, the sensibilities is something that we're just not used to. And again, it's that old-fashioned mindset that we just got to somehow adjust to when we watch it, maybe. But... All I can say is what I was feeling at the end of it, and I just had a smile on my face. Like, it felt like a feel-good movie, and I really wish it was set in Christmas, because it almost made me feel like like I just watched Love Actually. I'm not saying Love Actually is um, a great movie or anything, but anyone who watches Love Actually getting to the end, you're always smiling. Like everyone It's a wrapped, Christmas movie, too. It's a Christmas movie, too, but everyone wraps up really nicely. Same sort of mindset with... Um, uh she's funny that way i can't think of any characters that didn't get a happy ending except for maybe the judge who got punched in the face for me it's not a romantic comedy because i suppose the romantic leads are owen wilson and either imogen poots who he's not really with or his wife who he doesn't end up with and he's obviously not 
completely happy with. So it's not really a romantic comedy at all. I'm the other side of the coin, really, and this movie, I think, will divide people. Uh, it was The pacing was wrong, and um, with this many kind of A-list and B-list actors, you know, like a great ensemble, you kind of would have thought the material would be strong enough or improvising would come into play. There's a lot of good comedic actors there. I thought there should have been more laughs and more moments that were memorable, I suppose. What got the biggest laugh for you? I suppose after a little while, the running gag of of squirrels to the nuts. Really? Wow, you like that. Nobody can tell you where your place is. Where's my place? Where's anybody's place? I'll tell you where it is. Wherever you're happy, that's your place. And happiness is a matter of purely personal adjustment to your environment. You're the sole judge. In Hyde Park, for instance, some people like to feed nuts to the squirrels. But if it makes you happy to feed squirrels to the nuts, who am I to say nuts to the squirrels? Well, I liked the fact that different women kept coming up to him. Uh, by the way, one of those was Jennifer N. Esposito, who played a small role in that. Um, squ- obviously, she's one of the escorts um, uh, that he slept with, and he comes running up. Oh, it's you. Uh, she, just a big fan of her, because obviously because she thanked us on Twitter for a review we did on YouTube. So I was like, woohoo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she did indeed. What about your wife? What was the funniest uh, moment for her? I think she really liked Jennifer Aniston, basically. Immediately, I think she got that Jennifer Aniston's character, like, was there to be laughed at and went with it. Like, she enjoyed the film a lot more than I did. So I think, um, yeah, I I took too many logic problems on board. Yeah, I, I I, took... I, that, that's going to definitely frustrate audiences. I, I really liked um, the funny moments were all the hotel parts where, you know, the tr- Risa Farns especially just made me laugh, like how he's always eyeing um, the reactions of um, Owen Wilson. Like, he knows exactly what's going on because he saw her the first night. You know, the moment she walked in, he's always just a bit teasing. And then when he's trying to hide the Russian um, prostitute in his room and there's nothing he, he can say to keep her away from the bathroom. And then that confrontation, like, all, all those um, moments for me were just really, really funny. Um, the taxi part made me smile despite being so nonsensical it just felt like it didn't belong there as you say and um yeah i just um i just think it's a great seeing a comedy like this with an elite cast and an elite director my worry is like i said with our black hat podcast is that audiences aren't going to watch movies like this and that scares me that we have these extraordinary talented people with you know great stories to tell that just aren't in demand at all and people only want to see ben stiller or judd apatow movies or super marvel superhero movies all of which i really love but the great directors like bogdanovich and michael mann are being put into the shadows and that scares me because i love these filmmakers and i want to see more especially with today's technology the stuff they could that they can do and the stories that they could tell really excites me i think uh Peter Bogdanovich, what he'll be most remembered for, despite making several really, really good movies, I think what his biggest contribution to cinema will be in the end will be the books that he's uh, written and, of course, all the interviews he's given us with the greats like John Ford, Alfred Hitchcock, Orson Welles, Howard Hawks, like the insight he's given us into filmmaking, the very craft of filmmaking, the history of cinema, I think uh, is almost un matched in um all the history books written i think he's just given us this great insight into the minds of these guys and how they made films and i've always 
re-listened to his audio commentaries over and over again i've um read a couple of his books uh, sp- specifically this is orson wells over and over again and his interviews with these uh filmmakers are so amazing so um i think peter bogdanovich's place in history is definitely secure well i mean if peter, peter bogdanovich gets together his next film with jason ritter maybe we'll try and get it on the podcast like you say there's been a lot of tv movies and limited releases so You'll have to keep an eye on it. Uh, you can find more from us at podmeifyoucan.com. Uh, you can find links there to our YouTube page and Facebook, and you can let us know what you thought of She's Funny That Way or any of the other episodes we've done. Thanks very much for listening, guys, and we'll, we'll talk to you next time. Hit it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening. Please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Pod Me If You Can. Movie Reviews. 